As we turn our attention to God's Word, I invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. The same text that we'll be spending our summer on. This is the Lord's Prayer, and I'm reminded this morning how much, how much we need to learn from one another. It takes all of us to do the things that we do. Um, it certainly takes uh, Sharon reminding me that we had children in worship because the slide wasn't up to remind me. So we've got a, a helpful staff member there, thank you, and her passing it down the line to Colin to be the messenger. It takes uh, flexibility for the praise team to take all the work that they had prepared on and rehearsed and say, you know what, we need to change what we're doing this morning. We need to pay attention to what we can take, what we can pull off. It takes our sound people adjusting and making sure that we can still reach out to those who cannot be with us and still get a recording of our services. It takes all of us learning from one another. It even takes Dave Hoekstra asking if we cut my mic if we could get the air conditioning running better. (laughs) Because we need a sense of humor, especially when we change things up a little bit. But we all need to learn from someone. We all need to work with someone. And the same is true of how we pray. We, as God's people, need to pray together. And to pray, we need to learn how to pray and how to do so well. And when we started this series, we gave the reminder that prayer is as simple as saying please and thank you to God for any amount of requests that could come your way or any amount of praise that you can muster. But we're reminded as we study the Lord's Prayer that it's learning to pray as Jesus taught us to pray that is the foundation of all the prayers that we have. So as we go through the Lord's Prayer this summer, just one phrase at a time, we dig deep. We find all of the meaning that Jesus has encapsulated for us in such a simple phrase as, Hallowed be your name. So before we gather together to pray, to learn to pray as Jesus taught us to pray, and hopefully as we are sent out encouraged to teach others to pray and to pray with one another, Let's pray before the reading of God's word. Will you pray with me? God, our Father, may your word be our rule, your Holy Spirit our teacher, and the glory of Christ our primary concern. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Just for sake of hospitality, I want to check in once. How well can you hear my voice, particularly back rows? Thumbs up, we're doing okay? Okay. And middle, okay? Okay. Thanks. I'll do my best. What does it mean... For the name of the Lord to be hallowed, or to be made holy, is what hallowed means. What does it mean 
for the name of the Lord to be holy in a time and context where if you were paying attention to our culture, you might think that God's first and middle name was Oh My. We take the name of the Lord in vain, left and right. The third commandment is broken often. Do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And here, Jesus teaches his disciples, therefore all of us as his disciples, to pray these words. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy be your name. Sanctified, precious, set apart, revered, and honored be your name. What does that mean for us today? And What does it mean to dig deep into what it means to keep God's name holy? Because to keep the name of the Lord holy is more than just choosing what you say and don't say when you stub your toe. It's bigger than that. It's not just not swearing. But to honor the name of the Lord, to keep it holy, has great depth to it. To truly hold something as holy and precious and honor and revered. It's not just not saying certain words. And as a Christian, we might wonder then, well, what is our response? I would also add, it's not just running around and punching people in the face when they use God's name in a way that we don't appreciate. That's not the correct response. And as someone who spent some time in martial arts, I would just add, if you're going to use the phrase punch someone in the face, be specific about it. You know, let them know if you're aiming for the nose, the eye socket, the temple, the jawline. Um, Other Taekwondo people will understand. You know, we want to be specific about these things. What is our response? When the name of our Lord is often a swear word, and yet we pray, holy, hallowed be your name. That word holy is an interesting concept for us to wrestle with because it means, especially in Old Testament readings, to be holy is to be set apart, is to be designated for something special. How many of you have fine china at home? Yeah, a fair few, some. Some parents with younger children are laughing, like why on earth would we do that right now? We have fine china. It's, it's set aside. And most of the time, it sits in a cabinet somewhere. It's not the daily use kind of thing. It is set aside for special hosting, for formal purposes. It is set aside in that way. And there is a certain, there's a certain essence of the word holy that means simply to be set aside, to be held in a special place, to be held up. Now, what does that mean, though, for God to be holy, set apart? But we also know that God is not distant because God is our Father who loves us and wants to be connected to us. What does it mean for us to keep God's name holy? And when we pray those words, who are we asking to do what? Who is it that keeps God's name holy? Are we asking God to keep his own name holy? Hallowed be your name. Or are we asking ourselves in the church and reminding and teaching ourselves 
we need to keep God's name holy. Who answers this prayer, God or us? Who takes part in making God's name holy? The answer is yes. It's a both and. God will keep God's name holy, but we also have a call to keep God's name holy. To think about God as being holy, it does mean that there's a sense in which we recognize that God is separate, set apart. God is transcendent, would be one of the words we would use. God is above us, beyond us, beyond our understanding. Even the wisest among us have only a sliver of wisdom in comparison to all that God has. God is holy and separate and transcendent and far above us and beyond us. But that's not the only aspect of God that we know. God is also imminent. Think about in Advent, we often talk about God as Emmanuel, God with us. God being near and close to us. And we see that most fully in Jesus Christ. When God, who is transcendent and above us and beyond us, sent his son Jesus into the world to be near to us, to be close to us, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This was for a purpose. But even as Jesus drew near to us, we don't think of Jesus as any less holy, even though he was no longer set apart, set aside in a distant sort of way. For God to be holy, for us to hallow God's name, God's end of this bargain, is to simply recognize that God is transcendent and above us and beyond us and imminent, near to us and desires to be close to us. But what about our end of the bargain? As the church, as the people of God gathered, what's our part in keeping God's name holy? One is, it's set aside. And we, as the church, by God, have been called out, called to be set aside. The phrase, in the world, but not of the world, captures the meaning that we're seeking here. Yes, we are in the world. We're not intended to be isolationists who separate ourselves from everything. We are in it, but not of it. There are ways in which we have simply been called to be set apart, to be different from those around us. We have been called to be set apart, but also sent into the world. We are not isolationists. We don't keep God's name holy by hiding ourselves away somewhere where we feel safer and more comfortable. That will not bring honor to God's name either. That will only make the church impotent by hiding it in safe places. As the church, we are called to be sent into the world, but not corrupted or tarnished by it. It is Jesus who sent us into the world In Matthew 9.12, Jesus reminds us, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Go into the world, find those who are sick, and maybe even through the the words of the Lord's Prayer, teach them how it is that we keep God's name holy. Now, there's danger and risk in going into the world, because just as Jesus taught us, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. We know that sick people don't spontaneously catch healthy. Healthy is not a contagious disease. 
healthy people get sick. Sick people don't catch healthy. And so as we pray the Lord's Prayer, one of the things that should be stirring within us as we reflect on those words is, how is it that I keep God's name holy even as I engage the world? And how is it that I find those who are sick but keep myself spiritually healthy? Jesus sent us into the world with the Great Commission. Go, therefore, into all the world, into all nations, and make disciples. We can't do that if we set ourselves apart in a way that's isolating. But we are called to a greater challenge, to be sent into the world, to set ourselves apart from it, even while in the midst of it. Otherwise, we get essentially a holiness movement, which is a pendulum swing where we pull way, way back. And it stagnates the mission of the church. Because holiness for us is a matter of heart. Holiness is in our heart. And holiness is a matter of mission. A matter of mission that we can hold strong to our faith. That we can authentically seek to keep God's name holy. While still engaging the world. Because a holy God. Who is set apart and yet near to us has called us to be his people. These words from 1 Peter 2.9 remind us of our identity. 1 Peter 2.9 says this, But you, you the church, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light how we can appreciate those words today. But we are a chosen people, called. Called to proclaim God's praises. Proclaim them to everyone. The word church in Greek is ekklesia. And it's a compound word of ek and kaleo. Klesia, kaleo, simply means to be called. To call someone by name. Jan, Kelly, Mark, to call someone by name is one thing, but you can remain seated in that way. But we as the church are called out, called out to be God's people, and it requires movement, and it requires first and foremost for us to move towards God and to make God holy and revered in our own lives so that we can show the world that we proclaim the praises of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that we keep God's name holy, that we revere and honor God in word and thought and deed. Word, thought, deed. We are called to proclaim God's praises and to recognize God for who he is and to sing praises to him is to make his name holy. As St. Augustine said, we were made to praise the name of God and to keep it holy in worship and service and prayer. And then Augustine turns into prayer and says this to God, because you made us for yourself, our hearts find no peace until they rest in you. Our hearts find no peace until they rest in you. To keep God's name holy is to be who we have called to be, is to honor God and love him and worship him.
And all of these things we seek to do by the way that we live. Does praying the Lord's Prayer, so often we we skip over those words too quickly. Hallowed be your name. But embedded in those words is a call. A call to wonder, do my actions, do my thoughts and words, do they bring holiness to God's name? Considering that we could pray the Lord's Prayer daily, daily at least, even by the hour, even by the minute, and wonder, am I bringing honor and glory to God's name by the way I'm acting, by the way I'm speaking, by what I'm sharing on Facebook, or by what I'm thinking about other people? Am I keeping God's name holy? Do my thoughts and words and deeds bring honor to God's name? Vatican II was a special council of the Roman Catholic Church. And one of the definitions that they came up with for worship is one that I greatly appreciate. And so, in the spirit of being reformed and being ecumenical, we're going to share their definition. The Second Vatican Council described Christian worship as the glorification of God and the sanctification of the faithful. The glorification of God and the sanctification of the faithful. So whose end of the bargain is it to keep God's name holy? It is God's as we glorify God, and it is ours as we seek to be sanctified, made holy as God's people. We do this because God has shown us great love and mercy, and so our praises are but a response to the Lord. But there's some weightiness to being called to be God's people, to represent God's name. A lot is at stake here. In Ezekiel chapter 36, the prophet has gone back and forth through a lot of bad things are in the works for the nation of Israel because they have turned away from God. And so there will be exile and they will be brought out of their homelands But there's also in the prophets promise of restoration and hope. But I'm going to read from Ezekiel chapter 36, starting at verse 22 and 23. And pay attention, first and foremost, to what does holiness look like, and pay attention to name in this. Therefore, say to the Israelites, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It is not for your sake, people of Israel, that I am going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name. Once again, it is not for your sake, people of Israel, that I am going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name that you have profaned among them. Then, this is talking about the restoration, then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. God, through the prophet Ezekiel, says, I am proved holy, God is proved holy through you. Before their eyes. 
proving God's name to be holy, people will see us. People will see us. And to think that we reflect the name of God, that God can be proved holy through us in the eyes of the world, sounds like an incredible privilege and an incredibly weighty responsibility. Which is why I'm so glad that in verse 26 of the same chapter in Ezekiel, we're also told by the Lord, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. God has given us the promise of his Holy Spirit that he will move in us, that he will strengthen us to live holy lives. God's promise is to equip us and to equip us for this work of living in such a way that God is proved holy in the eyes of the world. It's a high calling. It's a holy calling. But it's not one that we're sent to do on our own without God's help. But we have been given not a heart of stone, but a heart of flesh, And we have been given God's spirit to do this task that would be otherwise impossible for us to do on our own. Holiness. Holiness is a very unattainable concept for us as sinful human beings. But we have been washed and cleansed by Jesus Christ our Lord. We have been made holy in God's eyes. We have been made holy in God's eyes And so the second part is quite simply to make God holy in the eyes of others who watch us by how we speak to others, by how we treat others, by the way we live together. Our actions, our words and thoughts and deeds reflect upon God's name. And name is a big concept for us. And I need just a little bit of water. You know, in public speaking classes, they always tell you to learn how to speak without a microphone so that you don't need it, which is a really good skill. So um, Northwestern College professors Jeff and Karen Barker, I'm very grateful for them right now, but I still need water. (laughs) A name is a weighty concept. Uh, Scholar Philip Harner, whose book on the Lord's Prayer I've been reading for this series, uh, says it this way. And what then does it mean to pray that God's name may be hallowed? We may notice first that in the Old Testament thought, a name is not simply an identification label to differentiate one person from another, but rather it is an expression of innermost being, of essential nature and personal identity. It indicates who a person is not simply what they are called. Consider all the names in the Old Testament. We're given just brief explanation of what those names mean. Because names are not just what we call someone by. It's not just the handle. But a name reflects the essential nature and the essence of who a person or being is. Names are powerful and strong. Name and giving someone your name is to give them some power over you. 
Think of how you call someone by name in different ways. There's a very casual way. I, I am called Stephen. And so in casual conversation, it might be Pastor Stephen or, Hey, Stephen, how are you doing? There's a casual sense of name. That's just what I respond to. But you know that you're being who you are. You know you're being called by your whole person, by your whole being, when your parents use your middle name. There's a really big difference between, Hi, Stephen, and Stephen Scott. Then you know you're in trouble. Your name has been invoked because names have power. And when we are called by our name, our entire being is being called upon. That's true for us as we read through the Old Testament and how people were named. But that's especially true for God when we think that God gave his name to Moses, a name that was not to be invoked lightly. Yahweh, I am who I am. God gave us his name, not just the handle to call him by, because We use Adonai or Lord because God's name was too holy to be spoken out loud, to be called upon in a casual way. Rather, we're not given just a handle, but we've been given a glimpse into who God is. And God quite simply is, I am who I am. God doesn't have a name that would make him like a vending machine. God doesn't have a name that fits him into our nice categories of when he can be conveniently helpful for us, but when we want to do our own thing, we don't need him. God is who God is all of the time, consistently, and with steadfastness. Who we are does not change who God is. God's name, I am who I am, reminds us that God is holy. His name is not to be called upon lightly, but is to be held up. God's name, a very holy name. Living and true, God is not to be jerked around by every human whim and cry, but this God is sovereign, free, untamed, compassionate, and holy. Quote from Will Willimon and Stanley Hauerwas. God is sovereign, free, untamed, compassionate, and holy. And to blaspheme, to take the name of the Lord our God in vain, or to not keep God's name hallowed, is to put God either to use his name simply in vain in obvious ways, or to try to pigeonhole God into our causes. To ask God to be on our side, and to not ask God if we are on his side. There's a big difference between those two. And it's possible to blaspheme God's name by trying to attach him to our agendas instead of seeking daily, even by the hour and minute, if we are seeking God's agenda. And so we pray these words of the Lord's Prayer, not lightly or tritely. Hallowed be thy name. It's not just a call not to swear, though it includes that. But it is a call for us to live in holiness. To live in such a way that we reflect well upon the name of the Lord. For God's name is to be kept holy. So as we pray the Lord's Prayer, we keep God's name holy. And we're invited to reflect on ourselves. Do our lives honor and revere God 
in a way that brings glory and holiness to his name. The closing example that I have is one from a college professor who got to know a student pretty well. This particular student was not like the other kids on campus. He was not there with any amount of money. He was not there with parents who could financially support him in abundant ways. The student was the one child of a single mother. And she worked hard to make sure that he could have the opportunity to get the education that he wanted. She worked extra shifts. She took on extra jobs. Everything that she could do, everything that she could sacrifice, she did for the sake of her son so that he could have a future that was promising. Now that student, during his second year of college, was offered drugs in a very casual way in a way that was presented as, this isn't really a big deal. No one will ever know if you smoke this or not. There are no consequences. No one's going to catch us. We're safe here. Don't worry about it. Just enjoy this with the rest of us. And the student refused. Not just because it was wrong and illegal, but because it would dishonor the sacrifices that his mother made for him to be there. She had given everything so that her boy could go to college. And for him to partake in something that would dishonor her sacrifices would be simply out of line. It was the love of his parent and his honoring and keeping keeping honorable and even hallowed her sacrifices and effort that made him choose to not do anything that would reflect poorly upon her or her sacrifices. We, as the people of God, have received everything from Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has given us his very life so that we might be holy in the eyes of God as those of us who have a heavenly Father who has given everything for us, how then do we live to bring honor to that sacrifice, even honoring the sacrifice of God's only Son sent into the world to die for our sins? Hallowed be thy name. Let's pray. God, your name is to be kept holy among us, not just by what we don't say, but by what we do say, by our thoughts and by our actions. As people who have been forgiven by you, as people who know salvation through Jesus Christ, Lord, may we honor your sacrifices by being attentive to our lives, that we may live in holiness, that you may be seen as holy through the eyes of the world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.